Welcome to the Stargate Archives, buried deep within Cheyenne Mountain. Welcome to the Stargate Archives, and a new episode of the podcast, and we're back watching an episode of A Legend, the Richard Dean Anderson and John Delancey vehicle. That lasted only a single season in the mid-90s. This week we're going to be looking at Fall of a Legend, which premiered July the 18th, 1995. It was directed by Michael Vajar. He's worked on Enterprise, Jeremiah, Voyager, Babylon 5 and of course MacGyver. The story was written by Bob Shane and the teleplay by Ron Friedman. Right then, let's jump straight into it. Fall of a Legend. Okay, then we get an external shot. The professor's vehicle is parked outside. Don't think it's going to be the professor using it though. We see a, a he-born. Sheathe your naked saber at once before I grab it from your trembling fingers. It sounds like a young woman is reading some sort of text. <laughs> Probably a, a mid 1900 romance novel. Obviously, yep, it's Ernest in uh, in the Haybarn with this young woman, Drusilla, played by Lisa Akay. She's reading to him, so words of passion to get him aroused, as it were. And it's working, because, uh, yep, she throws the book down and rolling around the hay they go. Right until she looks up and shouts, Daddy! <laughs> Fortunately, Father doesn't take immediate action with the pitchfork, but Ernest rolls off the top of her, just in his underwear. What are you doing with my daughter in my hayloft? Reading, sir. <laughs> Without your pants. <laughs> uh, let's see if Ernest can talk himself out of this. I'm pretty sure he can, but yeah. He's normally a little bit more respectful and sensible when it comes to bedding some of the local townsfolk. In fact, as we know, he has an arrangement with one of the uh, local working girls. Talking his way out of it isn't going to happen, so he dives out the barn, lands on a hay bale and falls to the floor. Again, still in his long johns, making a run for it, as the father fires a couple of rounds from his shotgun. Nicodemus gets to his vehicle and, <laughs> 180 turn, straight out, drives away. But of course, his vehicle is hit and we see something fall off and spark. But in the background, there's a couple of guys on a horseback, or at least just tying up the horses, and seem to be watching with an air of mystery. I wonder who they are then. We'll find out. And then the young girl herself comes out on horseback and she is pissed. How can she find a husband when her father keeps shooting at her <laughs> prospective bows? I suppose the point is that maybe in this day and age you don't take the prospective husband up into the hay barn before you're married. <laughs> Drusilla rides off into the distance but she passes a, a lone rider as she leaves the farm. Meanwhile, the, the two strange men are in the barn waiting for Father to return. Amos Dern, played by Michael Rudd. They uh, make a solicitous remark about his daughter. He's not very happy about that. Also, he's warned him before about coming onto his farm. The man, Dan Rush, played by John Dennis Johnston, seems to take exception to being threatened, and the camera pans away as we hear some physical beating going on. Oh, this has taken a, a turn for the worst. What's wrong with him? I don't know. I didn't hit him that hard. Well, you hit him hard enough. He's dead. Amos is dead. Probably a heart attack. As the two men are wondering what they had to do, they realise that they've been observed by Louis Hallower. He was the uh, the stranger that uh, 
Drusilla passed on the road. As he turns to flee, he gets hit by a bullet in the leg. That's when Rush threatens him, basically, you know, keep on moving. Uh, he also throws in a, a lot of racial slurs because of the bloke's uh, nationality. He's Mexican. Not many rights in this part of uh, the world at that time. Keep on riding, otherwise <laughs> you'll get the blame for this murder and uh, he'll lynch him personally. Louise gets on his horse and rides off. Sensible idea. And Rush then picks up the gadget that dropped off Ernest's vehicle. And he says, well, two murders are hard to cover up. One is easy. So, looks like uh, Ernest is going to get framed for the murder of the farmer. And on the surface, you can say, well, yeah, yeah. You can see where this sort of accusation is going. The next scene, we're at the professor's. Him and Ramos are working on the vehicle, taking out some of the, the uh, ball bearings. Uh, obviously some damage, not serious though. Uh, both of them aren't particularly pleased about the way Ernest has been behaving. And that's when uh, the sheriff rides into the compound with the wagon. If I was Ernest, he, he might be worrying now, but no, he seems uh, reasonably, reasonably calm and collected. Obviously he doesn't know about Amos being dead. And as the sheriff gets down off the wagon, he draws his gun. Nicodemus legend, you're being arrested for the murder of Amos Dern. And as usual, you get that look that Richard Dean Anderson can put on his face. Bewilderment, confusion, indignation. <laughs> uh, cue the theme music. Okay then, Fall of a Legend pops up on the screen as the wagon comes into Sheridan. Town is quite packed. Lots of people around, all looking, well, who's, who's in the cage? Must be somebody really dangerous. Uh, that's when it's announced that Nicodemus Legend is in there for the murder. Skeeter comes up, say it isn't so, say it isn't so. It ain't. <laughs> it isn't. <laughs> Actually, I think that's the other way around, but you, you get the joke. The sheriff brings him out, uh, says, oh, yep, I'm going to charge him with murder. There is plenty of evidence. He holds up the trousers. He holds up the, uh, the taser weapon. The professor, uh, that's not designed, that's a non-lethal weapon. And the sheriff points out, well, if he, the bloke's got a heart condition, it could kill him. I'm not quite sure in this day and age if they'd be able to identify a, a congenital heart defect or heart disease at that, in this med medical technology, but let's go along with it. Ernest is uh, taken into the sheriff's office, and uh, let's see where, where the story's going to take us. We're inside the jail, and we see that Nicodemus is looking forlorn inside the cell. The sheriff walks in. Oh, the mayor is going to prosecute you himself. Hang on a minute, isn't he the judge? Yeah, well, this is the Wild West. <laughs> we do the best we can. But thankfully he isn't going to be sitting on the jury either. This is when Milton Faber walks into the office. Andrew Hill Newman. He is the business affairs for the publisher. Ernest isn't, isn't very pleased about that, but as Milton points out, he, he was a promising attorney before he got into the business world. It makes you wonder if the publishing house are supporting Ernest, but from a distance. They haven't put the best man on the job, but they have given him somebody to defend him. Let's hope he's good at his job. It's at this point that Drusilla comes into the office, and she, she forgives him. Ernest points out that, you saw me leave, and I didn't come back. <laughs> but never mind. She does recall that she passed a man, and she rode after Ernest. He was bald. Credit to the writers for just pointing out that he wasn't just Mexican, he was a bald man. Of course, this helps the professor when he, <laughs> he brings in a dozen or so bald men for a lineup. Due process will be seen to be done, even though it, it isn't particularly well organised or well structured. 
Drusilla forgives him again. <laughs> Ernest, Ernest, stop it. And Milton then tells Ernest to keep a full written diary. It'll, it'll make a fortune. Actually, pretty good business advice there. Ernest may not be alive to reap the rewards, but uh, somebody that he can put in his will and the publisher will make a lot of cash. Now we cut to Denver, Colorado, in a doctor's office, where we see Louis getting his leg looked at. The bullet wound has become infected and the doctor, played by Hamilton Mitchell, is advising that he stays in town for a couple of days to make sure that uh, the infection doesn't turn gangrenous. Gangrenous? Doesn't develop gangrene. It's at this point that, as the doctor leaves, Lewis looks and sees the today's headlines in a newspaper that Legend's trial is in its third day, and the look of guilt crosses his face. Cue the courtroom, a.k.a. the saloon. <laughs> okay, Drusilla is on the witness stand. The mayor, acting as prosecutor, is going on about, uh, you know, did Legend... Uh, caught you did he use his charm to seduce you she says oh, well of course few can uh, deny the power of love haha <laughs> milton objects the mayor as judge overrules the objection he's <laughs> on with his questioning and did legend return to murder your father <laughs> so he could marry drusilla and that's when ernest stands up marriage <laughs> i never said anything about marriage no one said the first word about marriage Everyone knows Nicodemus legend would never spark a girl without the intention of marrying her. That's in the books! Of course, uh, it doesn't help that Ernest is going to be hanged for this crime when it's really Nicodemus legend that's on trial. And as Milton points out, he's got to be Nicodemus legend because that fame and that reputation might just work in his favour. Ernest Pratt, not so much. Right, the next piece of evidence, the, uh, the modern-day taser. Oh dear. <laughs> oh, this isn't going well at all. Turns out that the mayor, aka the judge, aka the prosecutor, is also going to be the medical expert. Because the local doctor is still in the next town over treating a measles epidemic. Uh, at this point, the professor stands up and demands that the mayor shows proof that this was used. That the taser was used to kill Amos. Seems like a good idea, you know. We know it wasn't used, but... Unfortunately, the sheriff, he's seen this device used before. He knows its effect it has on gorge marks and on clothing and whatnot. And he says he's seen those marks on the deceased body. There's no doubt in my mind that Amos Dern was shot with that thing right there. Makes you wonder if the device was used on him after he was dead. Which then makes you wonder, how did these guys know what that device was? Is it that popular? Or as it, I suppose it's been written about a lot in the more recent books. Either way, the, the professor, he doesn't make any headway into the argument. The, the mayor, the judge, the prosecutor, the medical expert, he's on a roll. Milton has been fined $20 for contempt of court. <laughs> okay, let's carry on. Right, the professor is on the witness stand being questioned by Milton. The professor has introduced fingerprint technology. He has detected prints from uh, Nicodemus, from the sheriff, from various deputies, and one unidentified fingerprint. Milton points out, could this be the murderer fingerprint? Oh, definitely. That's when the judge cross-examines, did you find Nicodemus's fingerprint on it? Yes, we did. Thank you, that's all. And then he poses for a photograph. <laughs> Can be hard to win this trial when the uh, prosecutor and the judge are the same person. <laughs> okay, uh, next up, Skeeter is on, uh, on the stand. Judge, sorry, the prosecutor. 
states that he's going to treat this as a hostile witness. Naturally, the judge agrees with this. Uh, at this point, I'm not quite sure what Skeeter is going to know, because he wasn't there at the uh, crime scene. As far as we know, he's only talked to uh, Nicodemus when he got brought into town in the wagon. Uh, <laughs> my guess is that no matter what he's asked and what he says, it's going to turn out bad for Ernest. Okay, Skeeter, as a representative of the hotel where Ernest lives, let the sheriff into his room where it was searched, and they found some of his, his notes for his latest novel. And in one of the notes is uh, a storyline where he kills this young woman's father, a shotgun-wielding father, so he could get the woman. Uh, <laughs> Ernest says that's complete nonsense, there's a split infinitive in the text, and uh, he didn't write it. But, as far as the uh, prosecutor is concerned, this is more or less a confession of guilt. An indeterminate amount of time later, the jury comes back from chambers and announces, well, apologises first, <laughs> and, then, and then announces a guilty verdict. We're real sorry, Mr. Legend, but we think you've done it. It is the sentence of this court you should be hanged by the neck until dead. The judge, aka the mayor, then sentences him to death by hanging to take place in 24 hours. Quick photograph of Ernest, and we fade to black. The next day dawns, the gallows is being constructed, Ernest is watching from his jail cell, the mayor is having a quiet word with him, hope you don't take it personally, don't take it against the town, you, you, you had a fair trial. Ernest disagrees. But never mind. Fair and square. Let's see. The evidence was trumped up. The prosecutor was the judge. My defense was criminally incompetent. Fair and square? Yes, I suppose I'd call it that. Sure, fair and square. Sounds like it, yeah. The mayor has put a down payment on his rooms at the hotel. They will be kept as they were on the day he died for tourism purposes. And 10% of the income will be used for a memorial fund. <laughs> <laughs> the professor and Skeeter enter the jails as the mayor leaves. They've brought in some food and some tea. And a rose from the girls of the local saloon who will, who missed him dearly. That's kind of the point. You know, Ernest was never one to shy away from making use of the local amenities. Sheriff makes a racist remark about Bartok. We can raise our eyebrows and deduce from the fact that it's the immigrant who is the intelligent one between them who is the educated one, who understands the English language a hell of a lot better than the so-called native-born. Anyhow, uh, off they go, back to visit Ernest. Oh, nicely done. I wasn't sure where this was going to go, but Bartok has devilishly arranged the fact that the silver coffee urn is an oxygen tank, the urn that holds a bunch of candies is a combustion chamber and the little vase holding the rose is an igniter. With it you'll be able to use some sort of lance to cut the metal of the bars. And don't forget to wear your mask. Very appropriate. In 2020. As uh, the two gentlemen leave the jail, Skeeter distracts a sheriff. Let's see how this jailbreak pans out. Surprisingly, the plasma cutter makes short work of the cell bars. But given that the jail cell is made out of wood, a simple saw would have been probably just as well cutting through the actual structure of the building. Ernest pulls himself out, is met by Bartok in his vehicle. 
drive recklessly out of town, uh, doing some nice skidding and uh, drifting. The sheriff jumps on his horse, gets some deputies, and they ride after him, including, unfortunately, Rush is amongst them. As they close on the vehicle, Rush starts shooting. Notably, he's the only one. The vehicle is hit, it loses control and slams into a big bush. The sheriff is a little annoyed that he was firing on him, but as he points out, the convicted murderer, so uh, you're going to hang him anyway. But cool, when they get to the vehicle, it's been driven by two dummies, so remote control perhaps. A very well-engineered plan of escape. Going to assume that Ramos was in on it. Bartok couldn't have done all this by himself. Uh, no doubt we're going to find out in the next scene. Okay, not what I expected. Covered Wagon, the three main principal characters, Bartok, Ramos and Ernest, are dressed as female gypsies. <laughs> A fortune teller, it looks like. They're on the trail of the mysterious man, the witness, or at this point, to them, maybe even the murderer. They're going in search of him, or at least his horse. But we don't know if the bald man went to the farm. I have a hunch that he did. Uh, I expected them to actually offer some sort of uh, explanation of how that vehicle made its way virtually all the way back to the professors on automatic, without direct remote control. But never mind. Our three main characters in drag, I'm sure there's a few laughs there. Oh, my mistake. Bartok is a male gypsy. Professor Janos, the gypsy oracle. Know the future. <laughs> But this is where his uh, scientific knowledge is going to come in handy. We'll be able to pick up the tracks of the horse. Will they be able to then follow those tracks towards Denver? Or maybe Louis, having seen the headlines in the paper, has made a decision to return to Sheridan. Okay then, the professor has found a print from a horse that is lame, which is what Drusilla said when she was under hypnosis. So he gets his uh, one of his fancy gadgets out, Scans the print, identifies it, and they begin to track. At this point, they don't believe that this man they're looking for is the murderer. As Ernest points out, this level of frame job requires somebody that is local, not somebody just passing through town. I would say he's half right. I don't think Rush is a local resident, but you know, he's obviously spent a good deal of time here. They continue down the road. They approach a barn where Ernest, to cover up, the disguise is important, it's all in the details. The wagon approaches the farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. There's a, a guy outside chopping wood. He sees them approach and they disembark. He pulls his Winchester. He's not having any of this because he recognises those beady eyes. <laughs> he recognises Nicodemus. That's not good. That's when a, a young woman, Bonnie, walks out of the house with a young son. She's a huge fan. The novels and the adventures of Nicodemus keeps her occupied and cheerful as she's doing all those mundane things that a woman in the Wild West has to do. Bonnie Blue. What a lyrical name. Sir, your adventures fill me with sweet dreams while I'm chopping weeds and butchering hogs. I know you couldn't have done such a thing. There's a $20 reward. There's not enough money in this world to make me turn my hand against Nicodemus legend. The young son, he's a huge fan, didn't believe for a second that Nicodemus had killed that man. But he did cry when he heard about it, when he heard he was going to be hung. As <laughs> Ernie then goes, as two of us. Uh, but the posse's on the way. As it approaches, young woman Bonnie says, take my horse, go to, go to Denver. A man passed through here with a wounded leg and his son sent him on towards the doctor in the hospital. 
Nicodemus, not very good around horses, but as the professor points out, how do you like hanging? So Ernest jumps on the horse and then proceeds to ride in the wrong direction, right towards the posse. Uh, Bonnie, suitably impressed. <laughs> he does a 180 and starts riding towards Denver. And then the professor lays down some kind of uh, distraction devices for the horses. Fireworks, screeching, smoke, uh, loud noises. The posse, the, all the horses rear up. Total chaos and confusion. That gives Ernest the time he needs to make a clean getaway. And onwards towards Denver. Ernest, of course, is now <laughs> galloping wildly across the plains. And just before he reaches a small chasm, the horse stops. He flies right off and lands in the river. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> the horse laughs and we, we move to Denver in the hospital where Ernest walks in in disguise. He's wearing a mask. Bartok is with him. Looks a bit uh, like he's pretending to be clergy. Either way, they're going to have a look around the hospital, look for Louis. It's at this point that a young man comes rushing out of a, a room saying, Oh, doctor, doctor, we need your help. It's time. <laughs> he gets dragged into the room where a woman is in heavy labour. She immediately recognises Nicodemus because of those eyes. Thankfully, uh, they haven't heard that he's wanted for murder. Naturally, they want Nicodemus to deliver the baby. I loved you and all your adventures. <sighs> Thank you. It would be a real honour if you deliver our baby. What? He's uh, intent on rushing out, finding a midwife, but we hear some squelching noises, <laughs> which you may not hear on a, a modern-day representation of a birth of a baby. We hear some a little bit more biological noises, a little cry, and I'm not sure. Does Nicodemus collapse, or does he get down on his knees to make sure that the baby doesn't fall onto the floor? I'm not quite sure at this point. The scene cuts to an office where the professor is uh, going through some files, only to be interrupted by a doctor. The professor manages to talk himself out of being arrested for breaking into the office. Fortunately, the doctor hasn't seen a priest in a while and needs to make a confession. We cut to the recovery room where Ernest is standing outside with a cigar in his hand, sounds of a baby happily gurgling away. The professor comes out and says, uh, we think we found our man, Louis." Got the paperwork of the only one with a leg wound. So the chase is nearing its end. A witness who actually saw the murderers could be critical. And it's at this precise time that the posse arrives. The sheriff comes through the door, walks past the two men who are doing a little role playing. Uh, the professor is, as a priest, comforting Nicodemus. He goes into the doctor's lounge and Ernest jumps onto a trolley covers him with a sheet and gets a couple of the orderlies to take him out of the hospital towards the funeral home. Bought themselves a break. And they spot Louis and they're in the process of following him into a house when the posse turns up. And they claim they've already spoken to him and that he only saw, saw Amos shooting at Legend. He never actually saw anything else and the bullet wound is, was just an accident. So uh, he's still scared. Obviously if Rush had been there when they were questioning him no wonder he kept quiet. Rush at this point is saying they should uh, hang him straight away. Don't bother with due process, just get it over with. The sheriff wants to take him back. Follow the rule of the law. I suppose, yep, that's the best thing to do. He's definitely not pleased with the professor either. None of this scientific evidence nonsense. Uh, it's not looking good for Ernest. Not looking good at all. Ah, then we cut to the interior of the house. Ramos has uh, gained entrance. And that is where Louis is. 
Outside of the window we see that Ernest is being readied for being hung. Ramos sits down with Louis and listens to him as he says it's none of my business, it's a gringo matter. Who cares what happens to them? Ramos is pointing out that how they are treated within this land is important. If they can just threaten you and get you to ignore the rule of law, they become little more than people who do what they're told by their so-called betters. What future is there for Mexicans within the United States? And this seems to be getting through to uh, Louis. And then Louis tells him what he knows. He'll kill me. Who? The gringo riding with a posse. Things fall into place. But <laughs> time is running out. Legend is on the horseback and noose at the ready. Ramos promises the man that he'll stand beside him when he makes his uh, statement. And Louis says, well, they'll kill you too. And then... I will stand beside you. He'll kill you too. Entonces es un buen día para morir. Oh yes, Ramos. Then it is a good day to die. <laughs> this was 1995. When was TNG out? Because it would have been nice to say that TNG lifted this off legend, but unfortunately not. <laughs> they no doubt took it from the, the Klingon proverb. Well, not a proverb, a statement of fact. Is this a strong enough argument that Louis will come forward? Well, he better do it in the next couple of minutes. Don't I get a last meal? No. Well, at least let me say something. As the noose is being put around his neck, Nicodemus points out that there's some protocols, formalities to be observed. How about a last meal? Rush, is there? No. How about some last words? Uh, okay. Ernest then says he's going to read the read a passage from his book, which would take about an hour. But Rush is having none of that. He, he goes to slip the noose about his neck. And that's when Ramos and Louis come out and... Stop! You're hanging the wrong man! Here we go. The last moments of Nicodemus legend on Earth. The voice goes out. He's innocent. Louis speaks up and points to Rush. Rush obviously in, in total denial. What motive did he have to kill Amos? Uh, then the sheriff remembers. Hang on a minute. Didn't he put up some fencing that uh, you weren't very happy about? Rush tries to throw suspicion on Louis. Perhaps he did it himself. He's a Mexican after all. And the professor then, he pulls out his science handbook. His bag of tricks. Uh, we've got that fingerprint. One of them, whoever it matches, is the murderer. Louis happy to do it. Rush panics. Makes a break for it. The noose tightens around Nicodemus's neck. We'll go into slow motion. The horse begins to bolt. Pressure is applied. Slow, slow, the professor reaches into his coat and pulls out some sort of device. Not quite sure what this is going to be. It looks like an air horn, but surely it can't be that. Oh, it's his freeze ray. He freezes the rope, which snaps. Ernest falls to the floor, luckily in a nice lot of loose sand, as Rush rides out of town. And naturally, Ernest gets the taser and takes a very long range shot, knocking Rush off his horse and into custody. Sheridan has a little bit of voiceover, and then we see Nicodemus going on about how the public are fickle in their beliefs of innocence and guilt. You know, it's funny how people's attitude changes toward you when they realize you're not a cold-blooded killer. Yes, and how it changes when they do. Mm, yes. <laughs> As the two men walk through town, they continue talking about the vagaries of public opinion. Ernest is going to pay a visit to Drusilla, going to charm her a little bit more. After all, she's young, beautiful, impressionable, rather rich at this point in time. 
That's why you're kind of very surprised when she walks out of the saloon hand in hand with Milton. They're going to go to New York, where he believes she'll have a long and successful career on the stage. Yeah. To be honest though, the look on her face, you don't know if she's being manipulated or if she's making use of her talents to get what she wants from someone who should know better. Congratulations again. This is a great day for E.C. Allen and Nicodemus Legend. Yes, and a great day for Milton J. Faber. Either way, <laughs> we say goodbye to Drusilla and Milton, Bartop and Ernest walking to the bar, and the camera pans back as the music plays over the end credits. And that was Fall of a Legend. Good solid episode that. Not one of the best, but still entertaining. Uh, I like the idea of uh, science being used in criminal investigations, although that has always been a part of the series. Fingerprint te technology uh, coming to the rescue, or at least forcing the, the actual criminal into doing something rash, which gave him away. Quite so sure about some of the racial slurs or language or situations the story was getting into but I suppose that was saved by the lines written for Amos pointing out that in many ways the the immigrants have got to be better than the so-called native residents which at this time means the white westerners. Overall decent episode. Okay then uh, if you want to join me on the Stargate Archives podcast and talk about Stargate please get in touch stargatearchives.com stargatearchives at gmail.com we are on twitter at the gatecast on facebook and tumblr do a search for stargate or gatecast stargate archives you'll find us you'll find us there eventually we're on itunes and google music of course uh, ratings and reviews most welcome and i think maybe one only one or two episodes left of legend before we have to jump back into stargate full-time unless i find something else to talk about uh, which i can because let's face it the cast of stargate all variations have done a lot of work in the industry. Right then, this has been Mike. Until next time, bye-bye.